Welcome to The Rose Show. We're your hosts, Lawrence Britton and Jake Green. And in this podcast, we're going to go into everything related to sport and performance. And we're also going to talk a little bit about rowing. In South Africa, it brings people together, it breaks down barriers. Right, my passion, winning to be the best. To be the best is something we strive for. Compassion, crucial role is high Compassion, great. Passion, fiction, gold, ultimate goal. Glory, relentless training, pain, pain. <laughs> Hello, ladies and gents, and welcome to another banging episode of The Row Show. As always, it's myself, Lawrence Britton, and with me, it's Jake Green, and again, it's good to be back talking about uh, Marugada today. We are chatting about the recent European Championships that were hosted in Munich this weekend, and another awesome regatta. I think the season has been maybe one of the best when it comes to the the regattas leading into World Champs. I feel like the World Cups, especially the smaller ones, the first and second, have been of a very good value. The Lucerne was a banger as always, and then again, Europeans was another epic regatta with just, I think, over across the board, some really interesting results. I know my predictions were, I think I was quite bad this time around, like thinking who was going to do well as opposed to not doing well. I did make some, I think, pretty good calls, but I think there were some big shocks and some crews are definitely not as dominant as I thought they would be. Yeah, I know for sure. See you jumping straight in, Jake. We got straight in. I was going to chat about how we're actually not together. Unfortunately, Jake's on training camp. Well, not unfortunately, but we're not recording together over back on our Zoom calls. Um, but at least uh, COVID's uh, taught us something, Jake, because hopefully I think the the sound and the, the audio quality will still be top-notch for everyone listening out there. But yeah, I think let's jump straight into the regatta. It was, in, I, oh, it was awesome. Actually, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I think it lived up to the the hype that we put on it on um, uh, last week sometime. And yeah, I just think that there were some very suspicious calls from me and you in the hype train. Should we go through some of the thing? I'm just pulling up Jake's Jake's predictions for the men's single. Did you get anyone so on like the, the podium, men's single Jake? <laughs> no, I did. I did get, I got one person on the podium. This time around. Um, but my biggest shock, and I think the biggest shock to everyone, was uh, Ali's performance on the weekend. Um, blowing that badly in the last like 100 meters was quite a big shock to see. Um, but what a performance from Melvin Tuela. I did think he was on really good form this season, and he, and he continues to, to show that with, I cannot describe it, but just force of will to win a race. And... Uh, I didn't think that um, Stefanos Tuskos was going to be fastest regatta. I don't know why I ever doubted him because he showed, I think he showed everyone that, you know, he is the Olympic champion in the men's single skull and he's got serious speed and fucking racing in a headwind um, against a lot of guys that you would think would have an advantage over him with him being a slightly smaller heavyweight. Um, yeah. And again, yeah, I mean, you know, Graham Thomas, yeah, you could jump uh, in there. I was going to say, because we've said a few times that oh, if the, you know, it was the, the l kind of luck of the, the weather in Tokyo that kind of not, um, it just helped him out. I, we, we always felt like it suited him really, really well. But here he is dishing up the same profile, the same racing style tactics and 
complete headwind. And I mean, it was a massive headwind. You know, Sunday, the I mean, the men's column, looking at the, the timesheet, I mean, they're running nearly 45 seconds off the world record. So it was mm, probably slow huge. times. Yeah. And this is probably the slowest um, world event we've had for a very long time. I, I can't really think of a, uh, another time when we have we've had a, a, a event on the world rowing circuit that's produced such um, slow races from like a headwind point of view. Not that like I don't yeah. think it's not not saying that we like trying to cast shade on anything, but it's just like it's interesting to to see how how much of effect that the headwind does actually have on the numbers. Oh, I think it's I think it's quite an exciting piece of our sport. I think it's quite a hard thing to kind of understand if you haven't watched a lot of rowing or you haven't, you know, because we have these world best times and we have these records. You know, most sports get pretty close to their record all the time because the conditions are stable and the the environment is set, whereas rowing is out there in the in the the or um, you know, uh, up to the elements. So you know, the times change all the time. And, you know, if you don't know, if you know a little bit more about rowing, the watching the weather change and watching that affect racing and affect crews in different ways, I think is, is really, really interesting. So, yeah, I just can't believe that the, that, and, we, and you're right, Jake, we haven't had the slow times like this for a long time. I mean, the top, should we just, uh, we, should we ju- jump into the numbers a little bit or should we, we leave those for just now? No, I think just continue on our thread. I think you know we've ch- quickly touched on the the main single skulls with the the predictions. Um, I mean, shit, that's definitely straight in with one of the hottest races of the weekend. I I know Lawrence, you know, had probably was was uh, just as surprised as everyone else with what happened, and you know, there's so many different things to talk about. Like, you know, obviously Ollie blowing at the end. Stefanos looking like he was just blowing the whole race, but just kept going and stayed in in you know in the in the middle positions on the podium. Melvin's incredible sprint, and then the Bulgarian sprint, literally in the last like shot of the course, you just see this bubble just come out of nowhere and take the bronze. So yes, this what an epic race. I love it when Lane Six is, like has a cracker race like that because they kind of out the shot early because of the, the camera angle and the way the the racing is filmed. They're always out the shot. And then if, if lane six has a cracking last 500, it feels like they are going like twice as fast as anyone else at the end of the race because they're just catching up and they're coming from nowhere and they're just sneaking into that camera angle and then just blasting to the front. But yeah, I mean, Jake, it was definitely one of the, the biggest races of the weekend. And it was, I feel like it was a very unpredictable race. Like, <clears throat> you know, again, we, we didn't think that... Um, uh, Stefanos would be this the, or perform this well in the headwind. It looked like he was dying towards that like fifteen hundred meter mark. Ollie was coming into the front. I was, it was kind of looking like the prediction that whatever what we had in our heads was going to come was going to happen. Like they like uh, Ntuskus was going to you know struggle a little bit. He was going to fall back. Ollie was going to take the lead, and then uh, and then the 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 kind of silver and bronze would be fought out by whoever still had had enough legs to to do it and then kind of last 400 meters was like cool that's your that's what you think is going to happen well that's not what's going to happen we we had to 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 spice it up and then having ollie blow mm. and stefanos nearly took the win 
He's only 0.3. Less than 0.29 from the the win. What I I actually find really impressive with Stefanos is I feel like his ability to hurt himself and keep moving because like if you look at his race profile, each 500 was slower. So his like fastest 500 was his first 500 and the whole race he got a little bit slower each, each 500, which just goes to, but if you're watching, you can see that because he goes, he races to win, which is so cool to see. Like he, he didn't let Ollie get away from, from him. And I, I'm pretty sure that if Stefanos wasn't on Ollie, like he was the whole race, Ollie might, might've not been, might've been able to actually finish the race with the sprint getting, I don't think he would have got gold, but I think he might've got silver or bronze, but like Stefanos just pushing him, the whole way down the track and then once Ollie's in the the red boy he's just being under way too much pressure to finish the race and then Stefano's just having that ability to push through that lactate and hang on to silver was so impressive like I don't you, that's something you don't find a lot in athletes is that ability to do that and like that was really cool to see yeah no for sure I think you you nailed it, but then we I mean, we have hardly even spoken about um, Melvin Tweller from the from the Netherlands. Yes, he's on fire. Also, yeah, so we've hardly even spoken about him. <laughs> he just was just constant in the back there, cruising, cruising, cruising. All of this drama happening, and then he's ready to step up, have a massive sprint, and take the win. And yeah, I mean, like again, like I I said it earlier, like. You know, it's obviously it's easy to judge crews based on how they're rowing at the end of the race. But yes, as Malvin, I wouldn't say it was pretty, but it was effective. Yes, he just <laughs> what he did in the last 500 meters. Like the way I watched the race, I saw him racing last 200 meters. I thought to myself, he wants to win more than anyone else on the course at the moment, and that's what that's why he's able to put his bow in front. Like that's the that's the kind of impression I got from watching his last five hundred meters in that race. For sure. So, Jake, I think moving on to some more predictions from us, let's jump in to the women's eight where I butchered it completely. Absolutely mm. pawned that one. I got it. Yeah. So. What is it? Romania, Germany, uh, GB, Netherlands. <laughs> and I called uh, GB, Romania, Ireland. Oh, see, and you had yeah. Romania for the win as well. Both of us had Ireland. Romania the podium, for the win. I, I was take just, it and I love it. I think that. I love uh, that I stayed to I, my guns having... and I didn't change my mind. <laughs> oh, Jake. I, I, I nearly got you to change your mind as well. Close. It was close, but I'm glad I stuck to my guns there. Yeah. And then Ireland, I don't actually know what happened to them in the in the they didn't race the, the rep, they pulled out for the rep. Yeah, so Sanita got sick and unfortunately Ireland didn't have any spares, so they couldn't they couldn't keep racing in the in the eight, which was disappointing to see because I think yeah, they had a like good, I said in they the, had a pretty good train, heat. They had a pretty good heat, and I think they've got the rowers to, you know, to to make an eight go really fast. So it was really disappointing to see them pull out of the the women's eight, especially being the fact that it's the first time, first time we would see a women's eight racing down the track. And I really hope that they get another opportunity to to do something like this because it was it was really it was really cool to 
to see them um, jump into the big boat. Yeah, no, for sure. So I'm, th I'm, yeah, I think we will see them again though, going into the big boat, for sure. I think their yeah. their team is just um, going strength to strength. So I think it will happen. So Jake, it's, I just want to. This is a quite a good segue for us to go into um, the regatta. So you know, the last World Cup, GB really dominated. You know, they got the the um, eight silvers, I think, and you know they really did take the you know, the re the regatta, whereas this regatta, where I thought that they were going to even step up that little bit more, they seem to struggle a little bit more in Romania, really having a banger race or regatta. What did you think? I think it was two ways. The first thing is like, how do, how do crews approach the European, European champs in terms of how important they think European champs is to them in relation to world champs and how much tapering and stuff they did. Um, because I think some crews and some nations go into Europeans thinking it's the, you know, the second biggest event of the season, almost very close to world champs and other crews are using it as more of a stepping stone to world champs. And like, I don't know if that's got to do with, you know, GB's performances and Romania's performances, but yeah, I think Romania actually knocked it out of park. I think a lot of crews that, um, well, two notable crews that um, seemed to battle at Lucerne had notably better performances. The big one is the Romanian men's pair who picked up the gold beating GB, which was insane. And then the other one is the women's eight, who we talked about them earlier, going on to take the win in the, the women's eight. So, yeah, I thought both both nations very impressive. And again, I think you know GB is definitely continuing to be very strong on the the men's sweep um the men's sweep side with uh, a win in the eight a win in the four and taking the silver medal in the pair so yeah i mean it's not surprised it's not surprising to see those two teams um on top of the medals table i thought the the british women also looked really good you know they won the women's quad they won the women's uh four and lighty women's double as well. So I thought their 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 women's side it was also really coming online. I think the only place that they look like they're struggling at all is in the the men's sculling. Mm. Yeah, it's it's I mean, interesting. Otherwise, to... otherwise across the board they have they have like serious medal contenders in every single boat class. Yeah, and I think I wouldn't be surprised if we saw if we if we were going to see like some more performances from their sculling team. I mean, Graham Thomas did pick up the win at Lucerne with a really impressive performance. Yes. And it seems like he did struggle a little bit at um, the Europeans because I think rowing a 6.40 at Lucerne um, against that field was really impressive. And like seeing how well the Bulgarian did now at Europeans is I think a good, you can almost judge it by the fact that, you know, Graham had a really good performance against the Bulgarian and he, the Bulgarian had a good performance at, at European. So you can kind of do a bit of like math to, to kind of work out that he might've not been on good form. And I know the men's quad, um, you know, they are like a, a, a new combination and I wouldn't be surprised if we were going to see some more from them coming up at world champs because They've they obviously picked up a medal at the Olympics last year, and they managed to they missed out on the medal table at this um, at this Europeans. But I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see that quad doing very well at World Champs. 
Yeah, no, I think you are 100%. And I, what I think is really funny, though, is that we're saying that, like, oh, the, the British did maybe didn't have the best regatta, but they still topped the medal table, five golds. Uh, Romania only managed to to get four. So, you know, they're still top of the of the sheet. They're still the um, the kings, but, I mean, they definitely didn't look quite on form. And actually... Martin Cross touched on it a bit, Jake. He was saying that the he thought that the British looked a bit like overcooked, maybe that their training and stuff, maybe they hadn't tapered that much for for this regatta. And that um and Romania looked way more like sharp, way more um, you know, sparky on the legs and just able to turn up the the speed and and jump into those, you know, those big sprints much more readily. And mm. I thought it was quite it's I'm finding it really, really interesting to watch and and develop over the whole weekend where you see the, and, you know, we had uh, people on our Patreon, uh, Jay, talking about the the two different, like, kind of schools of rowing at the moment where you have this low rating, long, calm strokes that, like, a, a few of the countries, especially GB, have adopted. And then you have the opposite end of things where it's really quick, it's really tappy, you know, really moving uh, on the strokes, and that's the and that's very high or, or very highlighted by the Romanian team. You know, the Aussies mm. do it, and and uh, quite a few teams. So, and I don't know. In my opinion, I would have thought that the British rowing that style would suit a, a slower race much more, and yet it didn't look like that this weekend. It's it's oppressive, but I think. You know the and a huge shout out to our patrons there, and also Evan Collins also added in some great value into this discussion. But I think it's it might be a mistake for people to think that just because you're rating forty strokes per minute that means that you can't go up, because I think that's something that a lot of people will be like, okay, that's a benefit to rowing at thirty six. You're rowing nice and long, and when you need to turn it up, you know you can you can go from thirty six to forty and produce big speed. And I think people forget that crews can go at 40 and then switch it up and go to 44, 45, even higher. I mean, look at the Romanian women's eight, what they can do at the end of the race. It's disgusting. So maybe that's one maybe misconception about a rate that I think a lot of people have. But I agree with you. And, and it almost seems like it's a thing that the GB um, team is doing at the moment because I get a sense the men's four similar um men's eight maybe not to the same extent but the men's four and the men's pair definitely have got the style that is quite different from maybe last year or, or the previous years like there's a, it seems like there's a deliberate step to uh row longer stroke at a lower rate and yeah i mean it's gonna be interesting to see because like you said i would say that the lower rate would favor the headwind rowing but it clearly didn't so you know we'll see we'll, well see what happens at world champs well, I don't know though. I think the the Romanians outsprinted GB in a lot of a lot of the close races. So you mm. know, women's eight, men's pair. You know, these are these are big ones that the you know even women's pair as well. Uh, you know, uh, GB looked so good and then fell short at the sprint. And I think I think that supports. That's, I think, not so much about the style of racing, but more supports Martin's assessment of, like, that the British just don't look like they are, you know, that ready to race. You know, they've raced a lot this season. Maybe they were, 
more focused on world champs, more focused on their training. And then coming in here, they still got the big engine through the middle. But when it comes now to 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 turn the turn the speed to shock the boat, as Olaf would say, uh, that's where they mm. they struggling. They struggled a little bit this weekend. So I'm not going to be surprised if those some of those close re- results are switched by the time we get back to to world champs. 100. percent And I think also Lucerne, maybe the Romanians put more value on European championships and the GB team put more value on Lucerne. I wouldn't be surprised if like the, the upper management would identify um, those two uh, events differently for the two countries. But you know what? World champs, we've got to see because that's obviously the, the number one biggest regatta. And I'm very excited to see, you know, this tra- this thread continue on to world champs and like being able to chat about the, the outcome of, of the races. Um, because 100%. it's a very interesting and I discussion. Think... Oh, go no, carry on. No, I was just gonna say it's um, yeah, I just think it's it's interesting because, like the, I mean, immediately think because of the obviously our, you know, time spent in the men's pen, the men's fall. I think the Aussie fall made such a big impact on the field last cycle, and the huge thing was about their the way they're rating and stuff. And yeah, I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see what's going to happen at world champs now that the, the GB team are basically moving in an opposite direction, what it seems like what's happening. Yeah. So yeah, it's going to be cool to, to see the crews yeah. go at it world champs again. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's more, um, it's more exciting to watch a crew come down at 41. I think you, when you look at the crew, it doesn't look, it doesn't always look very calm and collected, but you know, I, Definitely, I'm a believer in the way the British row. I think that that mm. long stroke, that long, the the length, the calmness, the composure down the track is going to pay off in the long run. And when, especially when it really comes down to it, and it's 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 all or nothing. I think that's where mm. they're going to come to the front. But talking about the the Romanians and the British, I wanted to go into our our percentage sheet. So every every regatta we do. Um, like basically we break down the the times into a percentage of the world record and we rank them so we can see exactly how each boat class is comparing to the to to one another and we give this out to our patrons so if you want any if you're a numbers person you want to see a bit more of the the detail can head over to to our patrons and we'll share it on our on our whatsapp group there and always uh, bring some good discussions and the what's super interesting for me to look at when I'm looking at the percentages is that Romania were finished uh, in three out of the top four percentages of their, so their goals were all right at the top performing crews. So women's double, women's eight, men's pair, which men's pair hasn't been up on the the top of the sheet for quite a while. I don't think I've seen them. Yeah. I don't think I've seen them that high up in fourth. I don't think they've ever been in fourth position on the prog sheet. Well, maybe when the um the maybe when uh, Eric and Hamish crushed the record, they probably were quite yeah. high. <laughs> they were definitely up there. <laughs> the and the but they didn't. They still didn't win. So you know they they've really performed well there. But the top of the sheet this weekend can be there can be only one. The Irish light team men's double finishing and the times. This also was so surprising is how slow the times were. 
92.5%. Um, I've won like training pieces rowing faster than that in the tail at home. So mm. 92 is ridiculously slow. I mean, they're winning. They're the fastest performing crew of the weekend and they're rowing 30 seconds off their world best time. Yeah, no, it's 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 a significantly slower race than what these guys are, are used to. But Lawrence, the Irish the Irish men's lighty double, I I'll be honest, I didn't think they were to be so strong this weekend, especially after seeing the Italians race in in Lucerne. But after watching the Irish lighty men's double race this weekend, I dare say they're starting to look like the new Kiwi men's pair. Um, the these guys in the Jeez. lighty double because. They, I think, are starting are to become unbeatable. Curse them. <laughs> no, He's trying to curse them, Jake. I think, I think those guys are, you know, diamonds. No pressure, I think, would put them, put them out after this, the races they've been in. But shit, Lawrence, they're looking super dominant, and you know, they're looking. They've got quite a distinctive style, and just putting four four seconds into a very you know, Italian, distinctive style. Very distinctive style, <laughs> and putting four seconds into the Italian lighty men's double after the Lucerne that they had is is a very impressive. So shit, they are on fire at the moment. It wasn't quite the. I thought it would be more of a race uh, this this weekend in the in the lighty men's double, but the Irish just dominated the race. I mean, the Italians had a good row. I mean, they went out there, they looked really sharp, they looked really just rowing superbly, and then you know just not being able to stick with that pace. And then it's always that pace, like uh, third 500, even closer to that, uh, you know, the uh, 1750 mark, you know, where the the Irish are just completely destroying the field every single time they race. It's like they step up speed that no one else can come close to at that point of the race. And and you comparing them to the Kiwi pair, that's a very Kiwi pair move. Very Kiwi pair move, and that goes into why I think they it's a good comparison because they have a very similar racing profile to Kiwi pair. Kiwi pair were never the fastest crew to the 500 and maybe even sometimes 750 the 1k, but that second they half were, of the Jake. race they just don't slow down. They used to be the Kiwi pair used to be very quick to the, the 500 at the beginning when they first started racing, and I think it, I think this kind of racing um profile comes from winning a lot as you gain confidence in your ability to keep winning you don't have to exert quite as much at the start because you can kind of hit your green you can worry about your setting up your one and then you can worry about maintaining that speed i think through but i i don't i think everyone else that's racing is trying to prove that they can win you know one 500 at a time which is i mean that is how it feels when you when you're out there and i think it that kind of race profile can come it is better when it's when you've won a little bit more. But I mean, the Irish have done it for ages, and that's just how they how they row. It's so ridiculous. Yeah, and you know, I think jumping talking about the lightweights and maybe jumping on a bit quicker. I thought what was also really interesting from the weekend was Imogen Grant, who set the new record in lighty women's skull at Lucerne got into the lighty women's double and made it quite a lot faster. And um, it's very interesting because in, in Lucerne, GB did win Lucerne in the lighty women's double, but they rode 650 and France came second with a 650. 
And this weekend, the GB women's lighty double was again in a in a sort of in a class of their own, taking a huge win by five and a half seconds again over over France. And I mean, really impressive to see, especially after you know Lawrence after someone setting the world record, get moving into a boat and then just seeing such a huge increase in the boat speed. So I think there's no doubt we're going to see her racing again at World Champs. Yeah. No, for sure, for sure. I think that uh, I think you nailed that, Jake. Um, Jake, just looking at my notes, I want to go on to um, what I want to go on to the race of the day, onto your race of the day. My race if of the you, day. So, yeah. So, Jake, if you had to choose one race to go back and what, like, if you if you're telling someone who missed the the, the weekend's racing. Who's which race are you gonna you gonna bring up? Which mm. race are you gonna tell them to watch? I would tell them to go watch the men's single skulls. It's it has to be that race. But they there's so many good races on the weekend, but if they had to watch one of them, it would be the men's skull. I think the there's a short list. I'll let you say your race of the day, but I, for me there's a there's a good short list of short list of races to watch. Um yeah, I think my sh- I would say my shortlist are Lighty Men's Double, Men's Pair, and uh, Men's Skull. I think I agree with you. I think if you had to go watch, if you missed all the racing and you, you needed to watch one of the races, I would go watch the, the Men's Skull. But the Lighty Men's Double, for me, it's still really awesome. I mean, I maybe it wasn't the most riveting race with uh, Ireland really dominating, but it still is so impressive for me to watch those guys to, to see what they can do down the track is always um worth worth watching for me and then the other race that i really need to talk about um that we haven't touched on yet is the men's eight i honestly have no idea how the dutch did what they did in in a in a race that's notorious it has this rule of thumb that if you don't win to the the 500 you can't win the race yeah they were miles Back on the on the um on the like data on the the screen during the thing there, I think they fall to thirty three or uh, twenty seven or thirty three meters behind the British and behind the rest of the whole field because at that point everyone is close, and yeah. then they managed to come back and claim second. I honestly don't know what happened there. How that how that's possible on a boat that is already difficult to change speed on. Yeah, no, I think it's the, you know, the steam train. I feel like they got back on the adrenaline from catching the crab. The guy that caught the crab probably was like, okay, I'm pulling until I die. And he just started cranking. And yeah, I mean, so impressive. I'd go to say that they get the performance of the weekend without a doubt um, for their they yes. comeback to take the silver medal. Yeah. And it opens the question, and if they didn't catch the crab, would they put the British under any pressure? Because at the moment, no one is putting the British eight under any pressure. Um, I don't think so. I don't think that they. I don't think that they can beat the the British team there. The the British yeah. were looking so good. They were calm, just cool, calm, cool customers, and they were incredible to watch as well. I mean. 
I think technically that's one of the better eights I've we've seen for a long time. Mm. No, Maybe I, the Germans, I, you know, back when they setting their their records and uh in twenty twelve maybe. I really like the the way this British crew was rowing. Yeah. No, they the G, the the G B men's eight at the moment is definitely operating in a class of their own. Um, you know, putting putting five seconds, six seconds if you count the the bronze medalists, Italy, but like they they put a huge distance into you know those those crews, and I can't remember the last time I haven't seen the, the German eight on the podium and seeing them so far behind in the in you know the their event, and actually all the positions are interesting because even Italy, having turning around their performance in Lucerne and coming away with a bronze medal was insane. And I know they're loading up the Italian eight at the moment, which is a interesting decision, I think, from them. I mean, we spoke about it a bit in the hype train. So I think across the board, men's eight had a very interesting race. But by far, the GB men's eight is really, really, really strong. And definitely in the group of um, super dominant crews at the moment with in, in world rowing. Dude, yeah. So... Uh, yeah, I mean, I think going back to the the Dutch on the can they beat the the British on the in the eight on the on you know when it's a, a normal race, I think my my big one is why the hell was there not video of the Dutch like destroying? I really want to see what happened there. Mm. I'm so upset that we didn't get that in the in the race because you just kind of. They're right in the mix. Then the next shot, they know where to be seen. And then their speed goes to zero and then it comes back up. So I really wanted video of that. I don't think, um, oh, that was upsetting that there was nothing, not even pictures or anything at the end. I really, I was really hoping to see something. Um, yeah. But uh, I, I mean, I think maybe they, they, I mean, I think they've maybe proved to themselves that they can go really fast, that they know how to move that boat and that. You know, if they just string that together for a full 2K race, they can be boxing at the front with uh, with the British, without a doubt. But we've but, seen this from so many yeah. Dutch eights in the past. Yeah. And I mean, the, the British still won by, you know, five seconds in the eight. Mm. And that's, that's no, a it's huge, huge margin. They... They have the biggest, the second biggest uh, winning percentage. Um, so first to second place, they were over a percent. The only other crew to win by more is the uh, Romanian women's double who just constantly go from strength to strength and every race show the class that they, they are. Yeah, I think, you know, the R- Romanian's women double for me is the most dominant crew in world rowing at the moment. And like I said, the dominant crews in, in world rowing there they are few of them, but like for me, what they are doing also in the women's double is ridiculous. They're operating in a, in a, a league of their own. And I was so ex, uh, good, uh, glad to see they they decided to double up in the women's eight. Because why wouldn't you? When you are, are so strong in an event and winning by such a big margin, why wouldn't you want to double up and, and jump in the women's eight? Because, you know, for them, I think... <laughs> it's a lot of you know, racing, we, maybe. maybe. I know it's a lot of racing. Maybe you wouldn't want to, but again, we we spoke about swimming, uh, you know, before in the past about how the top athletes in swimming win so many medals, and like in rowing, it's it would be cool to to give the really good athletes opportunities to win 
a more than one medal in an event. And this is a great opportunity for them to start picking up medals. And it's something the Romanians, especially the women's uh, history of Romanian rowing, is is got that pedigree of yeah. having crews that are just doubling up winning golds. And I mean, it's becoming like a very, it's becoming very part of uh, women's rowing culture is doubling yes. up. I mean, nearly all the top crews are jumping from the small boats to the big boats. And I think it's a fantastic thing to be happening. I mean, I, I, I don't know if, why the no guys are doing it. I think it's because they're, you know, I just think it's because it's not really done much. So when you do it, you make, you put a bigger target on yourself. Whereas, you know, in the women's rowing side, it's just very acceptable, very standard thing to, to do and to practice. So I, I would be, I would like to see more more male crews starting to to double up because I think that it's a it's a really good way for the the sport to kind of evolve. A hundred percent, I agree with you there, and I think maybe that's something that we need to see um, some crews on the men's side taking taking the lead and, and following the, the example the women are setting. And and just speaking about crew changes for a second, I thought what was also interesting from this weekend was in the Dutch men's eight, um, you know. Having Nicky van Sprung and his old pair's partner Gilliam Kramerhoek racing in the eight from the from the pair into the eight, and interestingly enough, uh, stroke seat had Gilliam stroking it and Nicholas in the, in the back, which was interesting. But also for me, the talking point is having a member from the gold-winning men's quad from the Netherlands last year, AB Wiersma, racing in the three seat of the Dutch quad. It was really interesting when you consider that um, Simon van Dorp who raced the eight last year is now racing in the men's quad. So there's a bit of a switcheroo there, but I think I wouldn't be surprised if we see Simon van Dorp trying to come back into the, the fold of the men's eight, because it seems like the Dutch men's quad is, is struggling a little bit at the moment. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, yeah. So Jake, is there anything else that we, that we missed out that you wanted to chat about? Oh, I no. wanted to chat about all the, Dude, the the, the spicy <laughs> drama unfolding on uh on Instagram over the the kind of yeah, aftermath the German, of the regatta. Yeah, the German no, team is upset. Yeah, there's some big big waves happening in the German team, and um, yeah, I don't know what's going on there. Well, I mean, it seems like there's a huge clash between the um, you know, how the I think the club system and the the, the German federation works with the rowing selection and i don't know what's going on but there were a lot of there's been a couple german rowers posting some stuff on social media and you know it's no surprise to see a lot of german crews that should be doing well i mean if you look at the pedigree they have in the men's eight in the skulls you know in the men's single skulls the double skulls the quad skulls and you know they they should be doing a lot better than what they are at the moment so it's disappointing to see but I just hope that things are getting sorted out. It's not great to see um, such a big name on the on the rowing circuit having, you know, just struggling, I guess, on, on the racing format because just you have such good big names um, from Germany and it would be um, disappointing to see them missing out on chances to perform. Yeah, I mean, I think that they, I think, the athletes are right. I think when they when you see things like this, it's generally because there's a lot of truth in it. I don't think 
Instagram is the best place to be kind of trying to make your point, but it's the it it's it's the platform that the athletes probably have the biggest voice on. You know, yeah, the most 100%. They have a lot of followers they have they can reach a lot of people by you know by making a statement on on social media but i mean it's it's very risky i think if you if you don't have your all your ducks in a row it can be uh quite a quite a thing i think but yeah i mean it's really sad to to see and it just sounds like politics as well which is yeah i think a very frustrating thing as an athlete when you're there training day in day out you're putting everything on the line and then you know it's like silly decisions behind the scene that are costing you results and if that's how you feel uh, you know whether or not it's 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 right it's that's the problem yeah that gets in the way and i think it's it's even more frustrating in a sport like rowing because you know no one no one is doing the sport to make money people are doing the sport because you know they they want to they want to have the dream of winning olympic gold and you taking away that taking that away from them is is flipping it's terrible so i really hope it gets resolved but you know i'm sure we'll see you know you know we'll see some german crews back on top you know german eight's a huge everyone loves the german eight it would be great to see them coming on top and again you know i'd love to see a resurgence in in, in the men's quad um, which was again a fantastic event this weekend, by the way. Just to let everyone know that's another race you can go watch. Was the the men's quad Italy on uh, fire at the moment? I thought you're gonna, I thought you're gonna skip over it after your your bold claims on the hype train, and then I was no, I stick my to my bold Jake. claims. I stick to my bold claims. No, I know. I'm saying race. that's yeah. what I mean. That's what I'm saying. I said that it wasn't going to be a good event, and I was trying to sneak through without having to to chat about it. No, I, I thought called me out. I've pulled. I called you out, and I just think you know when you have it's the one event at the reason is because it's the one event at this regatta when you have all the big names are European in the men's quad: Italian, the Polish, the Romanians, GB, Estonia, France, uh, Ukraine. They are all big names in the men's quad, and they're all racing at Europeans, and it was a fantastic race. And I just want to take a chance to shout out to the Spanish and Greek teams at the moment. You know the smaller, smaller federations because they are killing it at the moment. There are a lot of crews. Um, you know, Spain notably the the men's quad and the men's double who are really doing well. And then on the, the Greek side, they have that the women's pair who maybe didn't have the best regatta, but they're on fire. Yes, Stefanos and Lawrence. How about a lightweight woman sculler coming from under twenty three? She's only twenty years old and getting a um, getting a medal in the in so the women's sculler this weekend. Bronze, I think. Yeah. No, silver. Netherlands grew Greeks, Germany. Yeah. Well, anyway, right. it was... Uh, yeah, Netherlands, Greece, Germany. Dude, anyway, it was a flipping impressive. It was outrageous, dude. It was outrageous. And yeah, I mean, listen, she is an under-23 world record holder, world champion. So, you know, there's got pedigree. But to step from under-23 lightweight rowing into senior heavyweight woman's skull and then to come away with uh, a medal on the podium is outrageous. It really and is. I still think, I think, yeah. oh, Jake, I think that there's a lot of, that we're going to see a lot of changes in the, the woman's skull, I think, in the next little while because I feel like there's no, there isn't a very established athletes 
in the in the race at the moment. You know, yeah. everyone that's coming on is kind of like there's a lot of new faces. We need people. I think we're going to see a few um, athletes come to the front and say, kind of claim the the race, and uh, and 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 we're going to see some kind of battles developing. I think because there's a lot of new people racing in the women's single. A hundred percent, and also a huge shout out to Alexander Foster who won the bronze medal, and she's the under twenty three champion from the heavy singles, and also. The lightweight champion in the under-23 level beating the heavyweight woman's scarlet champion at under-23 level at this Europeans is also flipping interesting because you would think it would be the other way around. But yes, yeah, the women's single skulls is going to be interesting. And I'd say like Carolyn Florin from the Netherlands is the only scholar at the moment on the, in the women's skull that is is clearly setting the setting the tone. But, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw things shake up and i know um magdalena lobnik has had a difficult season and she just missed on the podium this weekend but i'm pretty sure you know once she gets back on top of her training and deals with her injury um better yeah that's going to be a very cool event to watch so jake who's your who's your prediction women's skull at world champs oh carolyn florin from the netherlands easy easy win Okay, okay, maybe not easy win. Easy but win. <laughs> she's winning. I feel like we've got to see who comes out the woodwork though, because there's a few there's a there's a few power names out there that you know if they show up, <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna cause some friction. Well, I mean, you have Emma Twig, um, but yeah, I think it's interesting. I think Carolyn is going to win World Champs. She's definitely had the strongest performances this season. I don't think there's anyone from the continents that have put their name, had a performance that has been as impressive as her. So yeah, my predictions for the women's skulls at World Champs would be Carolyn Florin for the for the win, silver and bronze. Yo, it's it's your call. Oh, um, the Twig and USA. Interesting. Yeah. Well. Uh, Cara Cola is going to be racing in the Women's yeah. Skull from the USA so that's another big name I think Cara Cola actually could uh, could take the win do you think Emma Twig's going to be racing at this World Champs I don't know I just put it out there okay <laughs> interesting well we'll see what happens we'll, we'll have to see we'll wait to see um, cool Jake I think that's a wrap for us I think, we've yeah, got, no, I think we covered through most of it. No, we did. And I mean, what an awesome regatta. And I cannot believe we are ready. The next regatta coming up is going to be the senior world champs. So, yo, I think there's going to be some very interesting developments happening at world champs this year. And just, I think it's awesome to see post-Olympics, a lot of the events, like what I'm gathering from the season is so many new names and so many events are wide open at the moment so it's really it's a really cool time to be you know involved and just a big fan of the sport for sure jake and you are up in zanin living the good life away from the the cold that is uh that is the rest of south africa um and that's where it's team south africa usually does their like low altitude preparation training for um world champs 
And what's it like there, Jake? I see the dam is full. Oh, it's one of the most dream. incredible places in the world to train for me, in my opinion. Um, no. Over 100%. my rowing career. So, and, I, and especially when it's got uh, lots of water, because sometimes the, the water level gets a bit low and then the dam gets a little smaller, but it's still a massive piece of water. No, it's it's a stunning place to row. You know, it's it's huge citrus region. Um, there's subtropical climate. It's hot every month of the year. The dam is full. Um, no, we're living the dream up here. Having a very good camp at the moment. So, yeah, very excited for 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 what's to come. And uh, yeah, I mean, living living the dream. Everyone everyone knows out there the incredible opportunity it is to to do something like this. Yeah, for sure. So enjoy, Jake, because I'm sitting here grafting. Today, <laughs> I didn't, um, I haven't done a huge amount of exercise lately, actually. I've just been working and, you know, living the good life. And I've been enjoying it. I do kind of, every every time I see you training or I see some Instagram pics, it kind of brings uh, pulls me back a little bit. So I'm definitely going to start getting into gear a bit and, and, and getting a bit of more training under my belts. But today, today and, and yesterday, I've been moving. Uh, with, uh, one of the, the jobs uh, at our, our new business, just moving someone else's uh, shop. And I did, oh, I carried heavy furniture up three flights of stairs the whole day, yesterday and today. I've done nearly, I've done, I think, over 100 flights of stairs carrying on my watch. That was what my, my watch gave me yesterday, was 60 flights of stairs. And all of those carrying, like, ridiculously heavy furniture. Well, it, it sounds like you might not need as much exercise as you think. Yeah, I know. I was sweating properly. And then <laughs> the guys I was working with, Jake, they were machines. Dude, they just up and down all day, just carrying stuff, not even breaking a sweat. I'm like, do one trip. I'm like, okay, every single piece of warm clothing is coming off my body and I need to be as efficient as possible. They're like rolling beanies still, not even a drop of sweat, like multiple flights later. I'm like, oh my God, you guys are machines. Yes, it's Olympic silver, Olympic silver medalist meeting his match against office furniture. <laughs> That's the that's <laughs> that's that's the way to go. I wish I had some videos, Jake. I wish I had some videos because it's like it's tight corners. It's like so it's like huge pieces of furniture, so heavy, and you're trying to balance it, get it around the corner, not scratch the brand new office walls. And oh my god, it was chaos, but it was great fun. Though. I'm enjoying it, no, and it no, just uh, reminded me. It, it's it, I mean, a lot of the time it's just sitting in front of your desk and then this time it was like the hard labor and it actually reminded me a lot of training. It was really, really cool. I enjoyed it. Yeah. No, that's 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 good to hear. And obviously a massive, a massive shout out to our Patreons who are the, the, the lifeblood of this podcast. You guys have been awesome recently and huge shout out to everyone that's been supporting the show on you know, word of mouth, Instagram. Um, thanks, thanks for your support. And of course, if you're interested, give us a follow. Tell someone, tell one of your friends about it. And if you're interested, go have a look at our Patreon and see what we have to offer. But uh, yeah, Lawrence, oh, sure. it's been fantastic chatting. Thanks, Jake, and thanks everyone for listening. We're out.
Cheers, guys.